welcome to Baby Steps, a podcast series brought to you by Janaya, intended for healthcare professionals. I'm Dr. Sam Hay, and in this podcast series, we're talking about how best to support patients who might be struggling to have a baby. There is no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has made many people reconsider life and their plans, and it's no different for couples trying to have a baby. In today's episode, Infertility Management in Isolation, we're going to have a look a little deeper into the impact of COVID-19 on patients with infertility and what GPs can do to support them now and into the future. Today, we're joined by Dr. Mark Livingston, Janae's Deputy Medical Director and Fertility Specialist, who sees patients in both Sydney and Tamworth. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Livingston. Thank you. How are you going? I'm going fine, much better than two months ago. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think patients are going in the COVID crisis when it comes to fertility? Same thing. Two months ago, there was a lot of panic, anger, frustration with mixed messages. Um, There were various communications coming out, as we all know. Things change day by day. Um, We had Fertility Society in Australia saying it was okay to continue with fertility procedures. We had the European College saying, continue what you've got and finish. And we had America saying you shouldn't be doing anything. Right. So we didn't know what was going on. Yep. And then the government on the 25th of March said all elective procedures should stop the next day. And we had people on cycles. Um, so we had to make the decision to finish those people's treatment. And then we didn't know how long we were going to be, the downtime was going to be. And that was a frustration for patients and desperation for patients, especially older ladies or people with low egg varying reserves or who had done it before. So um, we've been very fortunate in that we've now restarted again, um, as you know, from a few weeks ago. Yeah. And COVID itself, have there been any concerns about COVID infection on on pregnant ladies or or ladies trying to get Get pregnant? Yeah, there, I mean, there were concerns to start with, but unknown because there were so few cases. The Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists has been really good with updates. They've kept us updated, they've kept abreast of the information, and the main concerns were could it affect a baby? Mm-hmm. But similar viruses we didn't think affected. Um, babies for sort of fetal abnormalities. And the other thing was, if a woman was pregnant, could we use certain medications while she was pregnant if they were needed for the um, COVID infections? But um, we, the, the thoughts now are to sort of just continue with treatment and that women are, who are pregnant are not really affected any more majorly than those who are not pregnant with COVID-19. And has there been any indication about whether a COVID-19 infection might lead to... Um, difficulty getting pregnant or miscarriage? There's not been anything shown. I mean, a high temperature can mm-hmm. lead to miscarriage, as everybody knows. Um, so that would be the main thing, the first trimester having a high temperature. But there have not been any definite studies showing fetal abnormality or definitely linking it with miscarriage. But that would be my main concern. But it's so early, isn't it? We're yeah. literally only months into this pandemic across the world. Yes. We yeah. don't know. There's not a lot of experience. And are you expecting any changes to fertility or infertility down the track? Um, not expecting any changes. Um, who knows whether being locked up at home, the fertility might go up. Um, <laughs> or the stress of being locked up at home, it might go down. Yep. Relationships may break down. So we, we don't know. Who knows whether they've talked about baby booms or baby drops. Who knows? Yeah, yeah so th- th- that great unknown at the moment. <laughs> yes. So do you feel it is safe to start treatment? 
Yes, uh, I believe it is at the moment, especially in Australia, given the low number of cases that we've got and community tr transmission seems to be certainly dropped down. Things may change in the future. But at the moment, we have restarted with IVF. And certainly for the clinic I work in, it's not a huge amount of resources from a PPA perspective because for my egg collections, I don't most of the time use general anaesthetics. So there's mm -hmm. not as many risks to the staff or to the anaesthetists. We just use local anaesthetic right. um, and lo uh, local anaesthetic and some sedation. So th they're not really high users of the um, resources that might be needed for a bad COVID-19 um, pandemic. And what would you see to be thresholds um, that might influence that down the track? Uh, I think we'll be guided by what's happening with COVID in the community and what's yeah. happening in Australia. Right. Um, certainly other places, I, I mean, you can tell by my accent, I'm Scottish and I know that Scotland's starting back with fertility procedures from next week and they've got yeah. a, still got huge numbers of people who are becoming infected and um, still, unfortunately, still dying from the condition. Yeah. Will you make it a, will patients have to have tests done, get negative results before they can start treatments? We don't have that at the moment. So what we've got at our clinic is we have a station, as many places do, with um, one of our staff members taking temperatures when mm -hmm. you come in in the morning. So your temperature's done and the, the lifts are all locked off. You can only go up there two at a time, two right. people in the lift, like it's happening everywhere else. And waiting rooms all change, disinfectants, spacing out, times of um, coming in for bloods and scans. So just all the usual stuff that, that most people are doing. Yeah, okay. What can we do as GPs to support our patients that might be going through the, their fertility journey during the COVID pandemic? I think it's been mostly reassurance, um, but people can still, GPs can still perform the same tests that they've done depending on what their comfort levels are. Yep. Um, I usually say to my patients, I'm sure you said to yours, that there are four things for fertility. The four things we want to know, sperm test, are you ovulating? Can they get together? Are their yep. fallopian tubes open? And is there a normal lining of the womb for the embryo to grow yep. in? And it depends on everybody's um, comfort levels with um, what tests you'd be comfortable doing. But mm -hmm. a lot of GPs are comfortable certainly doing the progesterone level to check for ovulation, an ultrasound to check for any pathology and follicle numbers, and a, a basic sperm test. Yep. And some other people are more confident to then consider doing a tube test if someone's been trying for a while. Fantastic. I'm just wondering, have you noticed any differences between the country setting and the city setting? Um, there are differences. Um, Tamworth tends to be younger people coming through as opposed to the city. But um, I, I was going up to Tamworth every two months and seeing patients up there. But of course, I can't do that at the moment. I do a clinic up there. We had a nurse up there who was doing all blood, who's seeing people for consults, but we can't do that at the moment. But that will be starting again as soon as we're able to. And how do you think that's going to affect their care? It doesn't really affect the care. So at the moment, one of the things that's happened from this is I'm, I've been doing Skype consults and I started well before the government started giving us telehealth re health rebates. Yep. I actually dropped the price for the patients to, so they weren't any more out of pocket. Yep. Um, for about three weeks before we started to get telehealth rebates. And I had a clinic booked for June for Tamworth that was fully booked. And one thing of this, one thing from the crisis was that they've all now been seen, got <laughs> their tests done, and I've done everything by Skype. And a lot of people didn't want to do Skype because they were a bit scared, hadn't done it before, yeah. I don't know what's going on. 
But now I've actually seen them all, done all the tests, and they're calling for results. And yeah. they wouldn't have even been seen until about a month down the track. So it's been one of the side benefits of is that people have got in a lot quicker, especially for the country. And it's the same care. Yeah, great. So that, so it has made it more efficient. Yes. So at least one good thing's come out of it. Yes. So if you're talking in general about accessing Janaya services, are there some general guidelines that us as GPs should be following? Uh, it's really when a GP wants to send someone for a fertility opinion. Um, they can have done certain tests. They may have not done any tests. I don't mind either way. And as you know, it's usually six months of trying if someone's over 35. And they say 12 months under 35, but there's no right or wrong. Um, If you've got someone with a low sperm count who's been trying for three months and the chance of pregnancy is so remote and you've done a few tests, then refer refer on. It just depends on the clinical characteristics, really. But in general, over 35, six months of trying, that's probably time to to pop in and get a checkup. Yeah, and just get things checked out. I mean, that can be with yourself, but um, a lot of people I... I mean, a lot of the patients I see will not do IVF. People think I'm an IVF specialist, but I'm a fertility specialist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time it is talking people, talking to people and reassuring them and telling them they've still got the chance that it can still happen and doing the test to reassure them that it can still happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. And look, I'm a GP that likes to package patients up and do as much as I can. So what, what are the sorts of things that we can do to hand the patient over to you as best prepared as possible? Um... One well, of the best prepared things is the patients have got their results with them, which is <laughs> it's probably the hardest part. I spend a lot of time chasing results. And yeah. I ask patients to send the results in before their consultation. So as I've, I've got the results written down. I know what results they have. And so we're actually talking to each other rather than me looking at computers or looking for results. Yep. But as I said before, it depends on what tests you're comfortable doing. But if you've done all of the tests, there's no reason to repeat them for myself. Yep. Um, they've all been done. And I guess looking after all of the other aspects of their medical care or their chronic illnesses and making sure they're as managed as well as possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, as, as you know, the basics, just the weight, the smoking, the alcohol, um, the folic acid. I mean, they're the main basic things beforehand as well as the tests. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel across the board, Janae's responding to the COVID-19 crisis? I think um, we've responded pretty well. We were having a lot of discussions, daily discussions on what we were going to do in formulating plans. It was hard to do at the time when things were at supposedly the worst. Um, but Janae has done very well, I've got to say. I think we informed our patients what, what was happening as it happened. We sent out communications through social media um, on the day that we knew, or the day that the elective surgery was closed we told people they would be allowed to finish their present treatment yeah. cycles but we weren't able to start any new cycles that we I communicated with my patients I spent lots of time on the phone counseling people and how do you find that telehealth has fitted into fertility management for telehealth's been a lot easier than I thought it would be now I have done Skype consultations with people from Tamworth for a long time because for regional um, people they can get rebates um, if they're not in a, a metropolitan area. So I've done it for quite a while. It's not made it that much more difficult for me. And I think for me, it's been easier for patients. They haven't had to take time off work. Yep. I was worried they were going to come in, get on trains, buses, put themselves at risk. Yep. 
Um, I've done Skype consults with one man in his truck and the woman at work, and we can do it together. They don't have to take the time off and come all the way into yeah. the city. Now, that's not going to be for everybody. There'll be people who want to do face-to-face consultations. So how can Janaya help patients to make up for this potentially lost time? Um, well, we've just got started again. That's basically it. We started again as soon as we could. Um, it was only a couple of weeks hiatus where we weren't able to go ahead and do treatment. And people haven't lost, actually haven't lost that much time. If it had been six months or eight months, then that would potentially be devastating for women sort of in their forties, et cetera. But it hasn't really changed things. And what we, what we do is we try and provide the best service, um, we do procedures seven days of the week. So I'm working, this is Friday, so I'm working Saturday, I'm working Sunday. Um, we do what's right for the patient. We do it when we should do it, not what sort of fits in with my schedule. Um, we have lots of good technology, um, our special Jerry incubators that we develop to use time-lapse photography on the embryos. They're all in single chambers. Yeah. There've been so many changes happen over the sort of 24 years that I've been doing IVF. We started off with embryos in one incubator yeah. and now they're all in separate ones so the temperature doesn't change and yeah. they're all controlled. Um, we have we offer the option of testing embryos for the chromosomes before we put them back. So I think um, one of the things we can do is just through the technology and the care that we can get people there more quickly, we hope. Fantastic. So, Dr Livingston, it's important to make patients feel special, I guess, around the fertility process. What are the sorts of things that you do to try and help with that? Um, Apart from the seven-day-a-week service, I actually call all my patients. If they call me for a question, I'll call them on that day before leaving the office. And also, at the end of an IVF cycle, be it a positive or negative result, I will speak to patients on the day of the pregnancy test. And usually it's a race to get to the positive pregnancy test between me and the nurses, which I did not win this morning. Um, but that's one of the things that's important. A lot of patients say to me that other doctors don't call them, and that's really yeah. important because that's a time when you need to know if things have not worked, yeah. what the next steps are, what the plans are and where you are. You need reassurance at that point in time. And it needs to come from myself rather than from one of the nurses. Yeah. And Dr Livingston, fertility medicine, why did you choose that? Um... I chose it by accident, Right <laughs> is the honest truth, um, because I was going to be a GP in the UK and I came here yep. and I did the obstetrics and gynaecology six months in Westmead yep. and did that as part of my GP training. And then I quite liked it. And then I just decided I was going to keep doing it. Stuck around and keep going. Yep. And I loved obstetrics. I loved labour ward and I loved fertility. And I had to sort of choose between them because you can't do both at the same time. Yeah. You can, but I didn't want to be stressed having a delivery and an egg collection at exactly the same time. So um, I chose the fertility, which I loved. I ended up doing, I did one three-month block and then I actually ended up doing another three, two extra ones as a um, registrar. So that was me. And I'm interested, do you know how many babies you've been involved with bringing into the world? I don't know, but 24 years of doing this, yeah. it's got to be a mm, good few thousand <laughs> in there, <laughs> oh, I would say. That must be thousands. so exciting to think about. It is. That. I've got a few baby books yeah. in the office, um, all with photos all stuck in there. They're from a retirement to look at. Oh, good <laughs> idea. Well done. <laughs> So just to finish up, what do you think the key message should be for GPs to pass on to their patients about managing infertility in this pandemic-type scenario? I think it's really business as usual. 
it's not what we thought it was going to be. Um, still do the tests as you would do them before, bloods, ultrasound, sperm tests, and don't be frightened to refer on because Skype consultations has made it a lot easier for some people than it was before. Well, cheers, mate. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. I want to thank Dr Mark Livingston for sharing his insight and experience. If you'd like more information about Jenea, you can visit our website, www.jenea.com forward slash HCP, where you can find a specialist for patient referrals and download resource kits and fact sheets. Or you can also call 1300 511 402 and speak to a Jenea representative. So thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of Baby Steps called Managing Miscarriage. In this podcast, we'll be discussing miscarriage, looking at the latest guidelines for managing early pregnancy loss and how we can support patients who are experiencing miscarriage. See you then.